666. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife, but it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on nightmare time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we are here today to talk about two monster mashups. They did the mashup. Yep, that's it. We're uh, It's like an Avengers-style episode, but with horror movie characters. But with werewolves. And vampires. And, and... werewolves again. <laughs> yeah, no, there's lots of werewolves. There's invisible men. There's werewolves. There's Frankenstein's there's monster. Again. <laughs> <laughs> because today we are talking about 2004's Van Helsing. And 2003's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes, another long time coming episode on the podcast. Two much beloved controversial picks for John and I. Oh yeah. Um, as you'll learn in this week's episode that we hold these films near and dear to our hearts. Despite what the world keeps telling us. <laughs> Despite what the world thinks. <laughs> yeah, collectively, the two of these movies combined have a Rotten Tomatoes score of 41%. Combined. Combined. 41%. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll <laughs> I don't even have a defense. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I understand it, but we're here today to talk about these movies because we like them, unironically. We're going to apologize right now. <laughs> if you if you were really looking forward to us talking about how bad these movies are, this is, this is not that kind of episode, but... We don't let them off the hook. <laughs> like we, we do recognize that they are weird and strange and maybe don't necessarily work, but for some dumb reason, we're nuts about them. But before we get into this week's episode, it's really high energy. I know it's a complicated week. We're coming off the high of Halloween and the craziness of election season. So we're gonna we're gonna walk you towards the the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Van Helsing Love with with a segment we like to call What's keeping you creepy? Well, first up, I feel like I should probably. This is definitely not keeping me creepy, but I. You're not being kept creepy. I, I've I've been kept creepy my entire life, but <laughs> uh, you know w the world received some really bad news recently. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, we we lost Sean Connery. Sir Sean Connery. So yes, yeah, throw Sir on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, Sean Connery has passed away. Legendary actor, James Bond. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Alan Quatermain. <laughs> Alan Quatermain. Um, and this is kind of just a disclaimer as well, because obviously we're talking about a Sean Connery film this week. We did happen to record the latter half of this podcast before his passing. So, I mean, we love this movie, so we do have a lot of fun and a lot of good things to say about it. But we probably would have done a few less Sean Connery impressions. Oh, yeah. If we had recorded, you know, to be respectful upon his passing. The, the, we... the tone would have been completely different. It would have been like, I, I think it's hilarious that this is his final film. Yeah, that sentence would have been said a little differently. Yeah, so um, just keep that in mind while you listen, but we didn't want to change it because we chose the film because we actually really enjoy it and we want to celebrate the film. It's a long time coming for us. It's something that we've always wanted to have on the podcast and 
we did. We recorded it. It existed. And then, you know, life life ha- finds a way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, su- super sad. Really unfortunate. But um, I'm happy we recorded this episode before, the, you know, that sad news. Because it would have it would have changed how we talked about the it, movie. It would have tainted, like, the, the fun we have with the character and his delivery of the performance and all of the... Um, the the wonderful elements of the film. This is a little early, but coming out next week, Christopher Landon's Freaky from you know Blumhouse Universal is hitting theaters. Uh, hopefully, a select drive-ins where you're located. I don't know your your theater might have some some safe protocol in terms of seeing movies inside. Not not necessarily something I'm excited to do right now, but uh, it's hitting select theaters and drive-ins. It's the body swapping movie where Vince Vaughn becomes a teenager again. But it's also a really gory slasher movie, which is a lot of fun. We've got an interview coming with Christopher Landon next week. Keep an eye out for that. But right now, if you'd like to hear Kim's spoiler-free thoughts, we've got a full review over on the website at nofspodcast.com. Woo! Yeah, and that interview will be dropping as a Nightmare Alley episode in your feed. So if you're subscribed to this podcast, congratulations, you're going to get it. And lastly, before we send you to the craziness that is this episode, just wanted to announce new month, new theme, it's November. We are putting Halloween behind us, but that does not mean that we don't have a horror-filled month ahead of us. We are celebrating Monster Mash! The entire month of November, we're going to be celebrating all things monsters here on the podcast every other week and at nofspodcast.com every single day. We have monster-filled articles, editorials, list posts, suggestions, recommendations, and pairings here on the podcast. And it is going to be a mash. It's a graveyard smash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're super excited about this month because it's just going to be monster centric. And, you know, normally things slow down for November a little bit. So we really get to deep dive in some of those lesser known monster movies and celebrate some underdogs in the monster genre. And I'm just super pumped. It's nice and classic right in the lull before Christmas. And it's going to be... It's going to be a great month, and I'm super excited to talk about this week's movies. Well, there's no sense waiting any longer. Let's get into it. Let's talk about Hugh Jackman's wig uh, and his his weird tall hat in Stephen (laughs) Summers' Van Helsing. My life. My job. My curse is to vanquish evil. Now that I have your attention. His name is Van Helsing. Some say you're a holy man. Others say you're a murderer. Which is it? It's a bit of both. He has come to a forbidden land to battle enemies that are legend. What are we dealing with and how do I kill it? This is where I come in. This summer, evil has one name to fear. Hugh Jackman is... Van Helsing. (laughs) 
Steven Summers' Van Helsing from 2004 is currently sitting at a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 24% on Rotten Tomatoes, 3 out of 4 from Roger Ebert at time of release, and a 2.5 out of 4 on Letterboxd. Wow. By the way, I just want to let you know, you'd love this. Roger Ebert opened his review with several lines from the Monster Mash. Really? <laughs> like, actually included Monster Mash lyrics at the top of his fucking review. This is a total Monster Mash. That's exactly. Uh, who are you defending? We just started. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I I feel defensive already. <laughs> Mostly by that Rotten Tomatoes rating and the general displeasure from everybody around me when this movie came out. I don't feel like, I feel like I live in this bubble where everyone enjoyed Van Helsing and we've all just been living our lives. I mean, my Twitter account's been nice about it. When I tweet about it, they're like, oh yeah, Van Helsing, pretty rad, fucking love it. (laughs) I mean, we gotta be real though. This movie is trash, right? John, it's... But it's, do you like it? I love it. Exactly. <laughs> and that's that's always been the goal with Nightmare on Film Street. We're not here to say that this is objectively an incredible movie. We're saying subjectively. I mean, objectively. <laughs> <laughs> subjectively, we think it's great. Um, so get ready for that. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't revisited this movie in a while. And I hold it quite high on on the kim near and dear to your heart scale yeah it's quite high up there it's a little fucking long though it was uh, it was a little weird to watch just because of the level of cgi in the film does not lend well to time (laughs) we (laughs) to the passage of time We had to rent this, though, like because we could not find our DVD copy because we, we have it. We own this movie. <laughs> Somewhere. Had to rent it. Our internet. internet could not handle this movie. Yeah, right? It's too decadent for your <laughs> bitrate speed, whatever that is. Anytime there was an action sequence, it would go to like four pixels, just a blurry oh. werewolf running by. Like you could not see anything. So It was so bad this morning. We had to turn off all of our devices and watch the action sequences again, just so we could see them. Yeah. I still think they look okay. Right? They were pretty good. <laughs> For 2004 to 2020, pretty good. Yeah. That's what happens when you throw like $200 million in a fucking movie. Or 80, <laughs> they, I don't even know how much it's going They are giving some Scorpion King energy, though. <laughs> it's st- how could they not? <laughs> Steve Summers, Mr. The Mummy himself. Wants to do a universal monster movie? Let him. Yeah, and they... Can we just take a moment to appreciate the balls on this budget? (laughs) (laughs) They threw money at this movie. Can you imagine a monster movie today getting, what was it, like 180 million or something? 140 million? It's a lot. That is insane. That is like 75 Blumhouse movies. (laughs) 75! That's a year of Blum! I, I honestly think we just should just celebrate these monsters for how much they cost. Like For cares? how much they cost? <laughs> yeah, who cares if they look like a PlayStation 2 game? They're here and they're ours. <laughs> I like this movie. I think it's good. I, I like this movie. Let me <laughs> correct myself. I like this movie. I think it's fun. <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily think it's good. I have a great time watching it. Although, you, you know that feeling you get 
like midway through a movie. Shame? Is it shame? <laughs> it John? might be shame. <laughs> shame is what I'm currently experiencing now. And then again, when people hear this live on the internet. But, you know, like midway through the movie where you get sort of like tired. You're like, oh man, there's so much in this movie. <laughs> I get that in watching Van Helsing, but during Every action sequence. There are so many. I remember turning to you during like the fourth wolf moment being like, wasn't this earlier in the movie? Didn't we already watch this wolf sequence? We both Berenstein bared that fucking wolf sequence. We thought it was coming up at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> you know, both the- of us quietly without saying anything to each other like, he just falls off the cliff. They're not going to like where's, chase each other in where's carriages. Where's the carriage chase? <laughs> yeah. Every, every action sequence is... Way, way too long. The, so long, though. The, the, like, the, so The finale gluttonous. of the movie is like 45 fucking minutes. It is the most glut. Like, they just were hemorrhaging CGI. Just hem. Like, they were just like, and we need a wolf over here. And Dracula's upside down again for some reason. What if it's a masquerade ball and they're all vampires? <laughs> and everyone's invisible. That's a good shot. Why do they keep that mirror at the masquerade? Is it so that way they can find out if it's anybody for, sneaks in? It's purely for Dracula wankage. Yeah. <laughs> like Dracula's the same as like all those dude bros at the gym, just like flexing in front of the mirror. He's like, yeah, that's right. I'm so fucking Anna, invisible. do you like this reflection maybe? Look in the mirror. <laughs> oh man, it looks so hollow right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's so translucent today, Drac. I think you also like this Dracula because... He's got bangs, kind of. He's got bangs. And uh, <laughs> he's very Moulin Rouge. I was going to say he's very emo, but really it comes down to the fact that you just love Moulin Rouge too much. Too. I remember when I just, I knew that, I knew the Duke from Moulin Rouge was Dracula in Van Helsing before Van Helsing was released. That's pretty good. I watched this for Dracula. <laughs> can I can I tell you right now? I don't Scrub know. Scrub you... Wolverine. Who cares <laughs> about? Who the fuck cares about <laughs> Hugh Jackman? We oh, got and... Richard Roxborough here, baby. <laughs> and Kate Beckinsale, of course. Did you know? Uh, and I, I I hope this comes as a surprise to you that the next movie we're about to talk about, *Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen*, also has Richard Roxborough in it. Oh yeah! Yeah, I forgot about that too until He's I was looking baddie. up the scores for this movie. He's Shh, just like don't all around it. bad. <laughs> the opening of this movie, just to get back on track with get to get on a track. <laughs> uh, the opening of this movie. I don't care what any of you say about the rest of the movie. I I'll live with it. The black and white opening of this movie is incredible. Oh, it's so good. I will fight to the nail to the death to defend that black and white opening it's pretty darn lovely and i think it really sells what stephen summers is trying to do with this movie monsters fucking monsters yeah it's it is a monster mash drac joined the band he's everything's cool drac's a part of the band (laughs) and he's here bunch of monsters ready to fucking go I think part of the problem is that when people think of Universal Monsters, they're thinking just of the standalone movies. Like, oh, I love me a Wolfman. I love me a Frankenstein. Love Bella Lugosi's weird drac hand thing that he does. I don't think, John, I don't think anybody has a problem with mashups with the monsters. Yeah, they do. No, they Every, do everybody not. Everybody hates that Dracula's gotta use Frankenstein to, like, no. rebirth. Yes, everybody I've talked to. What? And they're saying it behind that, your back. No! <laughs> That's not true. I honestly think it's just the CGI. There's just heavy-handed CGI, weird-ass plot, too much plot, 
Not enough monster mashing. Although there's a lot of monster mashing. Then where did the complaints come from in 2004? Because in 2004, we were all just like, oh my god, it's the height, the biggest achievement Hollywood has ever achieved. John, if there were complaints, why did it make $300 million? Because we're all dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Every single one of us. We just want fucking salt and sugar and fighting. That's all we want. (laughs) Give it to us now and let us complain about it afterward because we feel shame. (laughs) It's like the Big Mac of movies oh yeah all movies that are out now like all big blockbuster movies are just they're mcdonald's you're gonna tell me you don't like mcdonald's (laughs) i'm vegan i still like mcdonald's (laughs) they're just extra large fries like well you like that salt don't you this is 300 million dollars of salt right here (laughs) when you shove that fucking thing right down your Uh, maybe you'll see it again with your other friends (laughs) bring your kids we got toys like you didn't already have some for breakfast (laughs) what are we doing (laughs) that's your frankenstein voice (laughs) You're not being insensitive at all. No. Oh, boy. The opening is wonderful. And the fucking universal logo, like, lights on fire, becomes a torch. Yes, I love when they fuck with a production logo. It's so good. Oh, highlight of the movie, right? We fucking open with an angry mob, torches and all. You know you're in for something fun when that's how you start. I like that only one dude in that mob speaks. Yes. They only paid for one premium They paid extra. one guy. And his, oh, what was his name? It's like Tall Hat Man or something. Isn't I was, he like, yeah, he's the Undertaker dude. Yeah, he's the Undertaker dude in the movie. But like when I was looking up cast and characters, he's like the, the Tall Hat Man or something. <laughs> he looks like Lon Chaney Sr. straight out of London After Midnight. Like You don't call seniors senior. You just call them by their name. Well, I'm only saying that because we all referred to Lon Chaney Jr. Mostly as just Lon Chaney. Cheney. No, we don't. We say junior. Okay, well then I've had it wrong <laughs> forever. <laughs> the point is, like, there's there's so much universal monster love throughout this whole fucking movie. Oh, and all the Drac shadows. The black and white Drac shadows are the best. I'm a big fan of when he comes out of the fucking fire. And he's, like, still on fire. He... First off, hung out in the fire for like three and a half minutes. Let There's everybody a lot leave. of weird time jumps in this movie that you kind of just have to n- just just pretend everything happens right after one another. Because he- like, it'll change to dawn and characters have been like in a tree and you just <laughs> assume they're unconscious. Like- That's real good. <laughs> so I don't know if you know this, John, but the plot of Van Helsing's character is not explained at all in this movie. Oh, I know. Because... Van Helsing is technically as old as Dracula because Dracula reveals, this is way later in the movie, and doesn't have any bearing on like the main plot, which is just defeat Dracula. Yeah. Uh, that Van Helsing, Gabriel Van Helsing, not Abraham, as he is known in literature. You think his full name is Gabriel Van Helsing? His name is Gabriel Van Helsing. Okay. He murdered Dracula. And then Dracula made a deal with the devil to be eternal. And so, like, Van Helsing is this, like, 400-year-old nemesis. Right on. How he's alive, we don't know. He doesn't know. He just has amnesia and doesn't give a shit about it. Sure he does. What are you talking about? He looks at his ring all sad and weird. He's like, oh, my memories. And we find out it's Dracula's ring. He stole it from Dracula. He has no history. He's a serial killer. (laughs) He keeps tokens. For the Lord. So I think, you want me to break this to you right now? What are you breaking? Well, I mean, I haven't done any research, but Uh. they're very clearly setting up a world. I think they were really like, this was, this was the first attempt. Yeah, probably not the first attempt, but like the first modern attempt at getting a dark universe back in the theaters, I think. 
And like, it's like, oh, Stephen Summers, the the mummy. Everybody fucking loved it. Like biggest blockbuster of the late 90s, right? And, um, and then he comes out, he's got Van Helsing. He's establishing a whole world of monsters and our connecting character, Van Helsing, that's going to bring us through all of them. I don't know what the fuck else they were going to do. Like really all they have left now is the Invisible Man and the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. But they're definitely trying mummy. to- Man, I would love if Hugh Jackman met up with Brennan Fraser and they just both, like, fisticuff fought their way through fucking Egypt again. Like, more bigger, badder mummies. That'd be pretty great. But uh, I really think they're trying to establish Van Helsing, Gabriel, as that central character. Because he's he's mysterious. There's things that aren't answered about his past, which we'll get to in the sequel, which is the worst thing you could fucking do for for a new movie. It's part of the problem with The Mummy, with Tom Cruise. It's just like, we don't fucking care. Just give us one good movie and build off from there. Um, I have a I have a side story for you when you finish this, relating to everything you've just said. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's like I gotta like build out like a philosophy essay. <laughs> I'm just like, here's everything we'll be talking about today. No, don't speak. We'll, <laughs> I'll be taking comments after the lecture. <laughs> no, but realistically, I think um, uh, when Carl, our friar, <laughs> discovers like all of the things that Kate Beckinsale's father couldn't figure oh, out. Oh, don't in get 70 me started years. on her family. One of them is that her grandfather couldn't bear killing his only son, and God sent his left hand to to kill Dracula, or his left arm, whatever. Right? Okay. I think Van Helsing Gabriel is an angel who came crash landed on earth i'm gonna say it um anyway he doesn't have any memory because he cut off his wings i guess became human to come down and fight dracula which sounds so fucking cool i would watch that movie i would totally watch that movie i want that prequel give that to me god versus dracula yeah (laughs) or fallen angel versus dracula is even cooler yeah but it's more like yeah i guess he's he's not really fallen he's more like mailed Postage to Angel versus Dracula. Okay, so here's my side they, story. Well, they even call him that, though, right? Because the, the 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 church calls him the left the left arm of God. So why doesn't he know that he's the left arm of God? Because he's he's the uh, he's the stand-in for the audience, and we're all dumb. <laughs> okay, so here's just my little side story based on all that stuff that you said a few minutes ago. Uh huh. I also thought for a half a second that maybe it was going to be Kate Beckinsale's great, 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 great grandfather. Oh, yeah. She's she's definitely related to him. She, oh, and for sure. There is some weird sexuality happening between her brother, Van Helsing, and her, but it's fine. They're not related because he's the left hand of God. Okay. This is the most fucked up thing you're going to hear today. Mm, yes. Can't wait. Okay. 2012, 2011, they were going to remake this movie. Right on. And it was going to kickstart a universe. Right on. A Van Helsing universe with Tom Cruise as Van Helsing. And, and they that evolved to the mummy? Yes. As Van Helsing? Yes. As Va- He's not tall so- enough for Van Helsing. <laughs> the hat. He's got the hat. <laughs> He's got that tall hat. <laughs> Oh, man. Maybe yes. Van Helsing also wears platform shoes. I'm just throwing an idea. So they worked on this movie like a reboot in behind the scenes with a bunch of different people being attached and not attached and attached. And then finally Tom Cruise dropped out and then they just made... Because I guess they've always been wanting to create a universal monster universe. Oh, for and, sure. And, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. That's mm-hmm. Van Helsing. Can you imagine if they rebooted this movie, though? And they were like, no, we're going to do it again. And uh, Tom Cruise... Is it. You know who could have made the perfect Van Helsing? Rudger Hauer. 
Rudger Hauer would have been the best fucking Van Helsing. Yeah, if he, like, smoked and drove a truck. I w- you know, that would be pretty good. Like, a modern-day Van Helsing. And he's, Who like, smoked and and drove he's a, like truck? A, a long-distance trucker. Yeah, and it's, like, set in, like, 1984. So Kurt and Russell like- <laughs> is what you're describing right <laughs> and now. And then, like, it was, like, Helsing 01 to Drag 46. I'm on your tail, buddy. <laughs> I'm coming to get you. The sun will be up soon. Is there ever going to be an episode of this podcast where you don't try and fan cast Kurt Russell into something? I didn't. I just, I was doing Rudger Hauer. Look, as your therapist, I'm letting you know, you are describing (laughs) Kurt Russell right now. (laughs) I like this movie I made. (laughs) I'd watch it. Trucker vampires? Yes. I'm into it. Mm -hmm. Very into it. I mean, it also kind of sounds like Near Dark. Like more cowboy and Dracula vampire. kidnaps Dot, the waitress, and then Rugger Howard's oh, got to save Dot. I like it. Mm-hmm. Anna's family story is also kind of fucking oh, crazy, just, right? There's just, they they spend so much time in these crazy, crazy insane action sequences that the plot is just thrown at you in like Friar talk, and then you just move on to another And even the Friar doesn't get it, though. <laughs> They're like, what the hell does that mean? I have no idea. I'm like, oh, good. I guess we'll just blaze ahead then. I don't care for the friar in this movie. I don't. He's just comedic relief, I guess. He's okay. Yeah, he's just your your information hot, super highway. Yeah, every action hero needs somebody to go. <laughs> we need reaction shots. This is crazy. What's your favorite fight scene in the movie? Um, like of the thirty that were there. So my, I think my favorite sequence is probably when the brides first attack the village. When so he first shows up? When, yeah, when Van Helsing first shows up and the town's like, ah, we hate you, stranger. And then these brides show up super conveniently with no explanation. We never go back to the brides or Dracula to find out why they came and we're just like attacking nobody. But... Yeah, they appear as these, like, really cool gargoyle things, and they're just flying around being harpies, <laughs> and I am about it. They love turning back into non-harpies. It's because they're beautiful. I suppose that's true. Uh, I fucking love the brides. I'm so sad that they kind of don't really have characters in this, because Not really. they are maybe the greatest, I'm going to say this, I'm saying it. I, I don't care. 1990-whatever Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's a good Dracula. Uh, they are the best depiction of modern day. Not modern day, but the best modern day depiction of Dracula's brides. They look great. They do look pretty similar to the Bram Stoker's Dracula. They have no characterizations, though. No, not really. They just say funny one-liner words and have trouble speaking over their teeth. And lay fucking eggs. Yeah, big... They lay fucking eggs! Big, gross, green, goopy sacks. Like, hundreds of them at a time. They're like spiders. I don't understand it. No. There's not... And there's no way to explain it, and right? And at one point, Frankenstein, who I have, I have no idea how he has any information because he was basically birthed into doom and yeah. he's, he's an infant this whole movie, but he knows that one single bride can lay a thousand eggs in like one, he's, I think he says one birthing session. That's what he said. What? Yeah, he's just hanging out underground in the, the old rubble of the windmill, I think, right? All he's got is like a bunch of rats that he can eat for dinner and We're a telling him Dracula's secrets, clearly. Yeah, like how does he know everything? It's like the, the good doctor put his entire fucking brain in Frankenstein. Man, Frank's, Frank's great in this movie, though, right? Mm. He's the hero! Mm. 
he's the only person that knows what's going on, what to do, and what to not do. Like, literally, they find him and he goes, oh, you're here. Kill me. <laughs> like, I should, I can't be alive. Oh, everybody's so wishy-washy, though. Like, e everybody is, like, bouncing around because nobody has any clear motivation. Like, we need to get the, the big story, A to B. Nobody has a big arc or a big goal. Everybody's just getting through action sequences. One point, Frankenstein's like, no, kill me. And then five minutes later, he's like, I want to live. And then another one's like, I will save you. I need to die. And he's like, let me live. Like, make up your mind. Friendship. His arc is friendship. He discovers friendship. <laughs> but even... A and Anna's arc, they get to go to heaven. <sighs> but... Because, <laughs> like, what is it that her family is... Uh, like, did they, they just, like, they promise like, to kill Dracula? And, yeah. And, like, so deep was that promise that God was like, okay, but until you kill Dracula, every single member of your family lives in purgatory no, forever? I think they, like, cursed themselves. Like, I think it was, like, a... God controls that curse as far as I can tell. What, what? a cruel bastard. I don't think he does. If somebody's like, we will not rest until we kill this person, and then the the line dies, then that line is fucked. What's, it has nothing to do with God. Well, it, aren't they also cursed to be werewolves or something? No. Man. The, the werewolf's just, curse is a different thing. I watched this movie last night, everybody. Last night. And sober. <laughs> I watched this movie sober last night, and, and I don't. the... So the werewolves, also a weird curse, because you kind of still have your soul until, like, the first full moon, but this universe, which I'm assuming is regular Earth, it's a full moon every night. They got a lot of full moons. It's a full moon every day. <laughs> I think we're just skipping around a bunch. Like, the vampires disappear for a month or so, and then the new full moon. <laughs> That's the one thing you gotta just, like, forget about when you watch werewolf movies, is, like, how often the full moon comes. We've seen a bunch of werewolf movies this year, and it's it really feels like Full oh moon shit every it's, day <laughs> yeah it's it's like every month this every weekend this month we got a full moon we've only got just enough time to tend to our wounds and maybe load our guns one more time and then boom Wolfie's back I'm fine with it <laughs> I'm totally like honestly when it comes to a werewolf movie I don't fucking care like you it's a it's a full moon every three days I buy it but there's a lot of melodrama in the first half of the film because. Anna's brother is bitten by a werewolf in the main first werewolf action sequence. We assume he's dead, but no, no, he's a werewolf. And then he is kind of held captive by Dracula to do Dracula's bidding, which mm. is basically just attack his sister and Van Helsing at any opportunity. Yeah. And he has no control over like his evil wolfiness as he's a werewolf, but he's then very emo when he's not a werewolf. So... They alternate between, like, trying to kill him because he's not your brother anymore, Anna. And then Anna's like, no, he's my brother, though. I love him. <laughs> he's my brother, though. <laughs> and Van like, he's not your brother. He's evil now. And then, yeah, then we discover that, like, you have to become a werewolf in order to kill Dracula. But, so, they know that Dracula has the cure for werewolfism, but they kill her brother anyway. Sure do. And then it's like, oh no, not Van Helsing, we actually like him. <laughs> <laughs> the final set piece of this movie is crazy because they're like, oh no, he's not in Castle Frankenstein anymore. He must be in Castle Dracula, wherever that is. <laughs> I know, like we, nobody knows where it is. Oh look, this door leads right to Castle yeah, Dracula. Yeah, right? Like, like, oh, this key someone gave me, which is just a piece of fucking paper, will turn this into a mirror. And like, I guess we're supposed to walk through the mirror, right? 
Why did they make that a huge thing? No, there are so know. many like random castle set pieces that it's just like, why don't we just do one castle? Oh no, Castle Dracula, like at least the interior of it, is just Castle Frankenstein with different cobwebs. <laughs> and well, the the masquerade is in Budapest. It's not in Transylvania at all. Like, and if we know anything about Dracula, he's gotta like travel by boat with his own dirt. Like it's just <laughs> there's too much. That's three different castles that Dracula is in. Also on. Anna says at one point, she's like, I've never seen the sea. But literally when they kidnap Frankenstein, she's in the sea. Yeah. No, there's there's so, like. <laughs> there's a galleon there. Yeah. A galleon can't go in a lake. You were literally looking at maps. You're just like, it's like one horse ride away from Transylvania to the Black Sea. <laughs> no matter what we do, we're going to end up, t- like, just completely excluding parts of this movie. Like, we haven't even talked about Jekyll and Hyde at the front of the movie. Oh, God. Right? And that's like a relating thing between these two movies. It's yeah. a Jekyll and Hyde sequence. Yeah, he's chasing him through the rooftops. It's great. I mean, uh, one thing I fucking love is that like <laughs> every single person turns back into, every single person that Hugh Jackman has to kill turns back into a human to go, <laughs> why? <laughs> right before they die. And then he just looks like an idiot. <laughs> or then he just looks like a serial killer. Well, another job well done for God. <laughs> I'm off to murder another monster. Where do you think Dracula hired all those little, like, steampunky munchkins that he has working in his fucking facility? I, you know, I was going to bring them up because they are the only character design, creature design. They're the only element of this movie that I really just do not like. Oh, yeah? They're you, don't, little, you don't like their little little bitey teeth and they stuff? Lo- they look like they belong in, like, Star Wars. Yeah, they're weird. They're little, like, steampunk dirt munchers. Do you think they're monsters that he made? Yeah. Okay. Out of what? Sticks uh, and stuff? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like monkeys in suits? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I, like maybe I thought... he bit some really smart monkeys. Okay. And then he's just like, here, wear these steampunk outfits because nobody's going to be afraid of chimps. <laughs> I honestly like... Nobody's going to be afraid of chimps. I honestly like to just assume that he sent Igor off to find them and Igor just came back with these weird guys. And he's like, here, I got I got goggles for them because it's too bright, but don't feed them with your hands, whatever you do. Like, is it just me or is Igor, like, secretly actually kind of like a good manager? Like, shit's getting done in the lab. He's got hundreds he has, of like, employees. no supervision either. No, and he's, he's doing fine. Because Dracula's just, like, floating around, monologuing upside down in the lab. Yeah. And Igor's, like, actually doing all the work. He's the hardest working evil sidekick in the biz. Yeah, and I mean, Igor's only flaw is that he's a coward. His cowardice is what gets him to betray Master Frankenstein. Yeah. And his cowardice is what gets him to double-cross the heroes in the finale. Do unto others before they do unto you. That's a good line. It's not a bad line. It's good. It's a, he's, That's Igor, all right. He's quite a burly-looking Igor, though, I will say. Like, he looks like a burn victim. He, he's he got a lot of, like, if we melted his skin, no. he would have the biggest skull. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you just, like, how do you... I compliment him on the girthiness of his skull. Igor would take that as a compliment. He's always out looking for brains. He's the brain man. He knows. But I'm just saying the normal look for Igor characters is like underdeveloped. Like they're always like hunched and have like a curly back, have a very round head. Like they look like they're underdeveloped, like they have some kind of growth issue. And he's full out got some cheekbones. (laughs) His hair's a little stringy, but he's got he's got the the skull is doing things for him. 
The thing that pisses me off the most about this movie is is that final fight sequence between Van Helsing and Dracula. I thought you loved it, John. It's real good, but... Um, and because I'm dumb, I like it. But, um... I like the final fight sequence. And that's because we're dumb. <laughs> Both of us. You said it about yourself. When, he, I when you finally get to see him as his version of the gargoyle bat, and he's like, oh, he looks huge. So fucking cool. And then the werewolf is fighting this gargoyle bat, and they're like, and you're like, yeah, wreck that lab. But here's the thing either the end of this movie makes no sense, or the and end that it in- can be an and. Okay, and <laughs> that entire fight sequence takes place between 12 and 30 seconds. Yeah. Everything. Everything from Igor fighting Carl on the bridge and Anna fighting a Dracula bride and swinging in and saving the day, getting the antidote. All of it. Every yeah. single thing that happens in the last fucking 40 minutes of this movie yeah. is like 30 seconds. Because, because they're like, the clock strikes 12. Super simple plan. You're going to turn into a werewolf forever. Asterisk. And you're going to bite Dracula. Easy peasy. No We're going to hit you with the antidote that we find somewhere in this castle. Before, After you become a werewolf. Before but... it finishes striking 12. Because that's going to take a total while. It's got to do 10, 12 holdings. It's going to be a big deal. And then happily ever I love that they threw out the, it's going to do 10 or 12 dings. Like, there isn't a direct amount. Like, that was just me. That was just a flourish. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. And that's that's exactly what happens. Uh, you know, uh, Anna swings in, fucking nick a time right after he's ripped out fucking Dracula's throat. Hits him with the antidote, but oh, so sad. <laughs> he just smushes he her. He smushes her. It's not even like a werewolf kill. It's just like, oh, shit. I'm, oh, I'm she sorry. Is... I forgot I was big. <laughs> she has no blood anymore. No. She's just smushed. And he's he's all like, like. Arr! Oh, it's good, though. Yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's real good. so sad. Okay, Howling at the fucking moon sadness. We need to talk, sadness. though, about his werewolf design because his werewolf has a mullet. His werewolf has long hair, John. Do you think the werewolf uh, was wearing a wig that was extending his natural hair, just like Hugh Jackman? <laughs> I pointed it out every scene. I was like, John, look at the hair. <laughs> I think... Hugh Jackman made it so he had to wear the hat as much as possible so they could hide the He puts that hat on a lot. He had Wayne's World hair. He had Party on Wayne hair. Ooh, not excellent. Not excellent. <laughs> and yeah, Anna's got a happy ending. Her and her whole family get to go off into and Mufasa the in the yeah, sky. Yeah, they get to Mufasa in the sky, go up to heaven. I think the only reason he can see her in the clouds is because he's Gabriel the Angel. I think that's what it is. Angel. <laughs> I'm not... De- I'm not defending you but i really think that in an in some draft he was the third sibling but they're like no it'd be better if anna and gabriel fucked but they don't they never do they i fuck they i fuck a lot (laughs) they i fuck so much throughout this movie (laughs) they were i fucking while his eyes were still hidden by that hat and she was like yo take off that hat so we can i fuck (laughs) and then he puts the hat on her and when they're at the windmill and you're like no i look stupid on you (laughs) it looks stupid on everybody it does look stupid on everybody we didn't even really talk about Dracula's I'm babies. not done talking about Dracula, period. Okay. I, I like ca- Dracula. I gotta say, as much as... And I, the babies. I know it gets flack on the internet, where they're just like, Dracula is dead, so his babies are born dead. I like it. I think it's fucking cool! Yeah! I think that's great! This whole movie can be chalked up to, like, it's an artificial insemination plot. <laughs> okay. That the the they need help 
where they need family planning. Yeah. And when you're a monster, you have to do your own family planning, which hence no one wants to help is going to be evil because you're a monster. So, How are you going to get anybody up to that castle? And Frankenstein conducts life, I suppose. Hmm. Uh, I don't. So there's there's a big like jump on like why anything is anything, but I think because Frankenstein himself, what brings him to life is is technically a big secret we don't know what brings frankenstein to life lightning it was yes is <laughs> lightning is a component he's got a lightning brain too but it's weird I, it's pretty great though it's kind of juicy in there <laughs> i love it uh, i love it but yeah so in mary shelley's original novel sh- there's like a, an air of mystery surrounding like the secret ingredient to life and I guess in Van Helsing, Frankenstein himself is the secret ingredient to life because at some point they think Frankenstein's dead, but really he's camping out under the windmill. And they try to do it with a werewolf for some reason. Like, why did they try to do it with the werewolf? As a callback to old uh, Universal Monster movies, baby. That's like House of Dracula, I think, or Ghost of Frankenstein, where they literally use the wolf uh, like to try and... Uh, but I don't wolves know, don't like sort. lightning. No, they don't like lightning. So what they're using Frankenstein for is like an adapter. He's like a conductor. Well, he's like this, like this fucking thing that's attached to my laptop right now. He's like this little bit that How goes between the electrics. And- yeah, he's <laughs> stepping it up or stepping it down. Like it's just like it's too much electricity for the babies. So we got to like dole it out a little better. He's got a, he's, he's the, uh, he's like the Tesla coil. I'm, I'm using words I don't understand. <laughs> Something, 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 Frankenstein life. <laughs> I love and it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. It's uh, solid, it airtight. Is, it is such a well-justified use of getting all of these monsters into this mash. Fuck yeah. They need Frankenstein for his conductability because their poor babies are dead. And the wives, nagging on Dracula's case, just want their thousands of babies each so they can live happily ever after. The end. He could, in all of this time, all of the time it took Frankenstein to do his research, all the time it took him to do his own research after Frankenstein died and they lost, and they lost the Frankenstein's monster, like all, actually it was only a year, but I mean, in that time, he could have made so many vampire babies. They were so cute. Do you think Especially they, when they exploded. Do, oh, do you think they had human forms or do you think they were just permabats? Because they had Oh, tails. like they're just like perma-monsters? Yeah. I think so. Or do you think they Oh, it'd like, be great if they grew though. Like they're actually like alive and like they- Because like if he makes a bunch of Frankenstein- If he makes a- If he makes a bunch of Dracula babies, they're going to stay eight years old forever and pff, no one wants that. Oh, if they stay babies forever. No, I was thinking maybe they grew up oh. is what I was thinking. Oh, and they just became like little Kirsten Dunstes? Like a bunch of little Kristen Dunst. No, I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying they would continue to grow and oh. they would become like adults. I thought you said And we would just have like a in. fucking army of Draculas. But are they still bats? Are they bats the whole time or do you think they have like human forms? I'm looking at you directly in the eye and I'm just going to say they're always bats. They're always cute big bats. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Kim, how would you rate Stephen Summers mm. Van Helsing? Can we just... Talk more about Dracula, though. Sure, there's that scene where he fixes his hair. And, and he's upside down. And he's they actually filmed everybody upside down. He's got a fucking ice coffin? Oh my god, his ice coffin. A fucking you know? ice coffin? Because it's so cold. And he's like, I do not feel anything. No joy, no love. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, Mishka, why are you dead? <laughs> so good. He is giving this 
performance 140%. I do think he's great. Like he uh, is, he's in my top 10 of Dracula oh, performances. So good. Yeah. He is he is going so hard into that Dracula mode. It's a very weird Dracula. Like we can argue that it's a weird Dracula. Sure. I agree. Strange Dracula, but you cannot argue that he is giving that Dracula everything he has. He is here and he's he wants his demon babies and that's it. All right, Kim, take a deep breath, fan yourself off. <laughs> and uh, give me a rating for Van Helsing. Okay, this movie is not good. <laughs> Just want to <laughs> clarify right away. Just <laughs> four out of four. I understand. Four baby bats out of four. I'm, oh, boy. Four upside down drac attacks out of four. I don't want to give this movie a three out of four, but I think it's a lot of fucking fun. Ooh. It is so goddamn long, though. <laughs> Jesus, I cannot, I cannot like get over that. You just remembered it was long. Oh, it's over two hours long. <sighs> Man, it hurts to watch sometimes because it is so painfully long. But God, is it good? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh boy, is it? Is it such a bad movie? It's great. I love it. It's so much fun. Three out of four. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Moving on, let's talk about another monster mashup. Let's hop on fucking Nemo's weird sword boat and let's talk about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Don't you talk bad about Nemo. Thanks. League Uh, of Extraordinary Gentlemen, coming up. Their powers are legendary. Origins are unknown. Their methods are extreme. But when our future's at stake, they'll be the world's last hope. And the game is on. gentlemen LXG the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Whoa. from 2003 taking it to the acronym is currently sitting at a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb 17% on Rotten Tomatoes Ooh. 
Roger Ebert gave it a 1 out of 4, and it currently holds a 2.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. It had to fight for every single point on that rating. <laughs> I don't know if we did this with Van Helsing, but I'm, I feel like, well, future us are definitely going to do it in the intro in kind of just forewarning people sure. that these are both objectively not... Ah, I can't even say it. (laughs) (laughs) Can you just insert somebody else saying? (laughs) Or like a PSA? Good movies. (laughs) Just, uh, okay. At least what I'm going to try and say, which should set the tone for the rest of this, is that I'm going to do my best not to say the words, in my opinion, (laughs) before every sentence I say. Because, in my opinion... I like this movie. Like I, I can't say it's a good movie. I thoroughly, I, I think it's a good movie, I thoroughly like, enjoy I just, it. I yeah. thoroughly enjoy this film. And I know the dialogue is super cheesy. Sean Connery's Alan Quartermain is just soundbite after soundbite after sound. Every single line of dialogue in this movie was written with the intention of going into the trailer. A thousand percent. <laughs> Every single one. Absolutely. The characters are so into what they're saying, but... I... But the question is, does the empire... Do I need the empire? That was really good. Like, I swear to God, that's in the trailer twice. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> you you kind of have to go into this movie just smiling and, and, and laughing with it and just letting all of those, like, cheese ball moments just to, like, roll off your back because... You're, you're getting these fun literary characters. Yeah. And the less you know about these literary characters, the better. I think so. Don't Google them. Yep. Don't look it up. Don't look anything up. You can, you can also take the extra step of doing what I've done for the last 15 years and own a copy of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen don't graphic novel and don't, don't read it. it. I own it. I have it. I could read it right now. I haven't. I don't know why. <laughs> fun fact. Tom Sawyer is not in the league. They added him for the film because they thought for it would the American be... audience. Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> what if that's the one thing Alan Moore didn't like about this movie? Oh man, uh, yeah. Apparently, the screenwriter was like initially really against it because it was just one of those producer notes, and then he and then he was quoted as saying it was it... like the greatest change in the film. Ooh, really <laughs> opened things up. We needed to tap into Quartermain's dead son. Yeah. Also, we needed to make it a world war. I love that an American character was put in at the last minute, just kind of like America's entrance into the actual world wars. Don't talk about real history, John. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> What's really funny to me, just before we get too into this, is that we are the tagline for this podcast, which we don't really use as much anymore right now, Nightmare on Film Street. Horror for the casually obsessed. I love it. I love it, too. Used to be... The horror podcast with zero credibility. Still still rings true, still, but we needed oh, something yeah. a little bit more official once we hit 50,000 followers on Twitter. Yeah, but I mean, when you listen to our opinions on movies like Van Helsing and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Still. <laughs> still it's still there. You can, you, what kind of credit do we have after saying what a great movie this piece of shit is? <laughs> and my one piece of advice is don't look at the source material. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Oh, man. Okay. So we like this movie. Yes. Big surprise. <laughs> and the weird thing is, like, I say, like, laugh along to those lines and stuff. I don't think I like this movie ironically. No. 
Like, no, 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 no. I, I don't think I'm laughing down at this movie. I think it's a very linear laugh. <laughs> yeah. You know, I uh, I see whatever, I see all the complaints people have about this movie. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, people don't like that. People I don't live like in a this. bubble. But, yeah. Well, it's, it's not that like I've heard all of them. It's like, I can see why someone doesn't like this. But I just don't understand why they don't like this. I think it's good. I think it's fun. I see no difference between this movie and literally every Marvel movie. Yeah, and I guess that's a really great argument because we personally don't watch those movies. I don't think I've seen a single superhero movie, period, let alone in the movie theater. They're just not my bag, so they're just completely not on my radar. But people get joy out of them. People enjoy them. Yeah. I think they are a... uh, strange use of resources in terms of creativity and filmmaking but that's just because i want more of my one million dollar and two million dollar and three million dollar projects yeah and uh studios getting stuck on sequels and remakes of huge big budget things are kind of detrimental to that but especially when they flop like (laughs) like leave extraordinary gentlemen 76 million dollars in the toilet (laughs) i was gonna say without that business model we wouldn't have this weird 2000s bubble where we got all of these horror-y action-adventure films, Van Helsing and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen wouldn't exist if production companies and big studios weren't striving to make those lasting huge sagas. I mean, they were kind of jumping off of the success of The Mummy. Hell yeah, they were. Which was huge money. And uh, they came out with these weird offshoots that are just like these CGI heavy romps that I personally love. Yeah. And they just hadn't perfected the model. And then they found that, oh, we can just tap into this superhero sap again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Like there are like 300 different Spider-Mans now. (laughs) There's a lot. And in terms of like that ensemble, like multiple main character kind of storytelling, like I don't understand how there was ever a chance that a movie that, that cast... Mina Harker, Dorian Gray, The Invisible Man, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, like with with several other great characters. Fucking Nemo Nemo. is so good in this movie. Quartermain, sure. Tom Sawyer, why not? You know, (laughs) like all of these people are like my Avengers. Yeah, I'm gonna watch that movie. This is my Avengers. Hell yeah. These are characters that I give a shit about. Instead of the Hulk, we got Hyde. Love it. Instead of... He's he's British, and he wears a giant top hat. Yeah, and instead of, like, <laughs> Captain America... I guess we do have, kind of have a Captain America. Tom Sawyer is just, like, very much a Captain America boy. <laughs> I think Nemo is more your Captain America. Okay. He seems like my Iron Man, but let's not get into oh, okay. this. Okay, yeah, no, he is... The, you're right. Okay, so he's the Iron Man. I don't want to make these comparisons all day. I'm sorry. I'm, I brought it up. It's <laughs> totally my fault. Mina, token girl. <laughs> She's so fucking good in this movie. Every, oh, she she has all of the great moments. She gets so many cool vampire moments. Fuck yeah. Like, they designate chunks of this movie to, like, we're going to let Mina vamp out a little bit. Not even a huge surprise, though, right? Like, directed by Steve Norrington, director of Blade. Of course he knows how to shoot fucking vampires. Man, when she... I mean, like, it, it's even just small shit. Like, her, her eye just going red right before she just fucking, like, drains the shit out of some guy who's got her kidnapped. I like when she fixes her hair on the compact and she's yeah, got she blood does. on her eye. <laughs> also, Stuart Townsend as Dorian Gray. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I wasn't going to bring it up, you know, but I... Be I was... still my Lestat heart. <laughs> he is essentially just playing Lestat. He is playing Lestat. A thousand... Cause they, With a the gray they, suit on. They both have lived for ages you know it's just one of them is 
One of them's aristocratic in aristocratic clothing, and the other one's aristocratic in leather pants. My favorite line is, <laughs> so when they get sabotaged in his library, in Dorian Gray's library, and there's, like, a bunch of random German soldiers shooting at them. Sure. One shoots him point blank with this, like, turn-of-the-century machine gun. Fuck yeah. And as he's falling down, he, like, rips open his shirt to show all these bullet holes, <laughs> and he's like, what are you? And then Dorian Gray is like, I'm complicated. There are, he's such... <laughs> He's such a bitch in this movie. Oh, there are I love so it. many scenes. Oh god, I love it. Uh, especially too when they're in Venice and they're they're flying away on the first car that anyone's ever seen before <laughs> in their lives. And he's like, "I'll never let Hyde take control of me again." And uh, and Dorian looks him dead in the eyes and goes, "Well, what good are you then?" I love it. Yeah, I know you do. I love it. There's a billion other ones. Like, what's the one where they have, that they're in black and white again? By the way, two movies with great black and white sequences. With that actor who plays the Duke. Yeah, Richard Roxburgh. <laughs> Thank this you. Is, this is a Roxburgh <laughs> double feature. The funny thing is, though, because this was like the height of his villainy, these two films, and Moulin Rouge, as we've mentioned. Woo! His voice as the Phantom is basically just German-ish Dracula. Kinda. And yeah. so... <laughs> it occasionally sounds Russian anyway. <laughs> He's a little... It's a little muddled. Yeah. But you can totally tell it's him. Even though they put, like, the burn makeup on him, they've given him the the huge beard and Rasputin hair. Yeah. And the, the phantom mask. And you just hear him like, I'm going to go to San Venice. <laughs> That was my attempt. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. I'm a big old dummy because when I saw it in the movie theater, I was like, oh, my God, it's him. Like, I just like I that, I was like, oh, wow. Like this movie, this movie grabbed me by the shoulders when I saw it in the theater. And what's great is I, I distinctly remember after that opening scene where the police officers in London are encountering a tank for the first time and they've got machine guns in 1899 before <laughs> it's ever been invented. I remember being, like, this is, like, I guess at the, the beginning of the whole steampunk thing. I'm still not necessarily a big steampunky guy, but I remember being like, this fucking rocks! I looked over at my friend who was just shaking his fucking head. He could, he was, five minutes into the movie, already hated it. And I was like, what's wrong with you? I'm loving this! <laughs> I don't know what it is! Like, it's not like I'm a, like, I'm not a steampunk-obsessed person, but I really like the steampunk style in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think that's too because all of the the steampunk elements of this film are kind of function over form. It isn't mm. like excessively It's not for fashion. Well, yeah, like apart from the Nautilus, uh, which fucking is like Nautilus is so I cool. fucking I love the Nautilus. It's my like third favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> It goes, hang on, it goes... The sword of the sea. <laughs> it goes Mina, Dorian, Nautilus, tied with Nemo. Oh, yeah. The rest. <laughs> the rest. I love the transformations of Hyde, though. Like, I know he's not the greatest character in all, but, like, they do some really fucking cool shit with Hyde in this movie. I prefer the rooftop Hyde attack in this film oh, good. to the previous film. <laughs> I, I was really worried there for a second. I thought you were going to say you preferred it in Van Helsing, and I was going to call you a monster. No, I think both are very fun. I like this Hyde better because he actually looks like he's a human being while he's Hyde. He's, mm. he's a different person than Dr. Jekyll, which I really enjoy. Like, it's not just Dr. Jekyll blown up. Yeah. It's a different... He's got a different accent. He's got, like, a Cockney accent. Yeah, he does. And, uh, this, I mean, the CGI is still pretty, like, early, so he's a little, like, shiny. But 
I enjoy him. I think he's a he's a fun character and he's a brute, but he he does some heroic things. Right? Yeah. And yeah, I like I I enjoy him. <laughs> I, I love like everything about how they handle him. Outside of the finale. The finale is like whatever. Like all of a sudden he's a good guy. But <laughs> um uh but then he's got to fight like super Jekyll or super high. Oh my God. Right. Um, but I love when he is walking down the, the hallway in the Nautilus and he's having conversations with himself and you can see his reflection of Hyde in the porthole windows. Even his fucking shadow is the shape of Hyde. It's not the shape of Dr. Jekyll, man. It's so good. And the transformations are all practical. It's fun. They 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 do do a lot of like cuts because there's sure basically they like do. four different modes of, of Jekyll <laughs> to Hyde where it's like okay now you have a lump on your shoulder okay now you have one big arm okay and now you're Hyde. <laughs> Man, filming that I me- I remember watching some of the behind the scenes featurettes and filming it must have sucked too right? It's like okay ah! we need you to sit yeah we need you to sit in this makeup chair for eight hours and then just <laughs> and then we'll get you to do that all over again. I really enjoy Hyde Doctor Jekyll Mister Hyde as a character and it works really well in this movie. Because it, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is, is essentially like a werewolf story. It's yeah. a werewolf transformation story. But what's so great about Dr. Jekyll is that he still has the the sorrow and the tortured nature of, of a werewolf. Somebody who's got this curse to become a beast. But he has to willingly take down his own potion. Yeah. Like he invented this curse and he's almost like addicted to it like a junkie. Like it's like a heroin mm-hmm. dose. And the fact that you can see Hyde like goading him in those shadows and those reflections and things, there's there's just like this added layer of of self affliction to it, which I really enjoy. Like yeah. imagine if a werewolf had to like actually decide activate to activate the werewolf thing on full on the full moon. Like, yeah, that that's a really interesting like psychology of a monster. They do a lot of really cool, interesting things in pretty much everybody's the uh, characters, like in their psyche. Uh, like Doctor Doctor Jekyll's really repressed, and he he needs Hyde to do the things that he actually wants to do. Uh, it just like it goes to a much larger extreme than he would ever wanted, and like they they show that by him sort of like voyeuristically looking in on Dorian Gray and Mina about to have sex, kinda like that's that's what they're that's the the scene that we're leading up to, and he's just like in the corner watching because he just because he's a repressed Englishman, you know what I mean? Like he can't even think about having sex, and so Hyde is the guy that like brings out all the stuff. He can become the fucking animal that he wants to be, which is great. There's also just a teeny little moment, so small when. We are cutting through the Nautilus, um, and we're showing people getting ready. Like, oh, Quartermain and Sawyer are hunting are hunting high down in the streets, and Mina's mad that she wasn't allowed to be part of the fucking action. And then Won't Dorian, you. and then Dorian is just in his room plucking eyebrows oh out in the mirror because he's it. so fucking vain. <laughs> like that character exists for vanity, right? It's a great character moment. I think I just always assumed you only liked this movie for Stuart Townsend, which is mostly true. Which is true. <laughs> but yeah, I think... Uh, it's half Mina, half Dorian. She's the best. Like, and the two of them together, right? Like, anytime they're on screen, they're amazing. Well, I love... So when it's revealed that Dorian is the secret agent, he's like the good guy uh, that's flipped. She, her plot in the final sequence, the big final set piece, is purely revenge. Oh, a and thousand percent. And she shows up in her revenge outfit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, I came in bats, but I showed up with fucking leather, because I'm going to beat the shit out of you, buddy. 
Yeah, because everybody else is there to save the day, and she has no part in placing bombs, finding the Phantom, destroying all of their blueprints and shit. She's just like, no, I'm going to get that asshole. I'm, I'm gonna... just going to get Dorian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to turn him into fucking dust. <laughs> and dust he become. Quartermain's the worst character in the movie. I love him, though. Oh, yeah. It's great. I love I love that this was his final film. Like, this is the last one. <laughs> and no one likes it. I know. Okay, so, like, before, before we shit on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, it did double its budget. So, like, it Woo. isn't a financial flop. They right were intending it to be a franchise, and they were like, oh, no afterwards was sean connery gonna continue oh was he gonna come back resurrected as like a younger quarter mate <laughs> i mean mm, who knows um, what if they what if they just resurrected his son the witch doctor was like ah shit the lightning bolt it just it, three feet to the other side <laughs> but speaking of it being sean connery's final project i have something to read you i need to hear this uh so this is from wikipedia uh-huh. so you know put as much trust in it as you would wikipedia sure Something that's edited by a user base <laughs> that includes you, me, the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. After Sean Connery previously declined the roles of the architect in the Matrix trilogy <laughs> and Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the latter of which would have reportedly earned him $450 million, he agreed to appear as Quartermain despite not understanding the script. <laughs> no. Connery was paid $17 million for his role, which left the filmmakers with little money to attract other big-name stars for the ensemble cast. Dang. Yeah. Wow. He didn't understand the script? Like, what was that addition? Like, eventually they're just like, all right, you're like, you're like an old James Bond. Oh, I could do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I know, I could do that. Which is kind of what he goes out on, right? Like, I think it's a, I think it's a... Fine final performance. I, I think it's fun too. It's got that self-awareness of of an action star that's like no longer in his prime and he yeah. wants to go out fighting. Like they have that analogy about the tiger or whatever. And Seventeen li- times. <laughs> and he literally sees the tiger and they yeah. like they like nod at each other. <laughs> and not even that. Nemo comes out and goes, Oh, perhaps just an old tiger recognizing Sensing, sensing his, his end. end. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna quote it, at least quote at least it. Get right. it right. Yeah. <laughs> but- Oh, uh, but you know, tigers are the most fierce when they're backed into a corner at their end, or whatever he says. <laughs> I don't know. When they're about to die at a bar in Africa. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just armor plated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And women are at best a distraction. <laughs> you know it all. <laughs> a nuisance. What is it that he says? I've buried many wives. (laughs) Girlfriends, too. (laughs) He says lovers, which I hate hearing old guys say. (laughs) And many lovers. (laughs) What is it that he says at the end of the fucking fight, too, where he's like, she's probably hip deep in trouble somewhere. I'm like, Sean, that wasn't on the script. (laughs) Like, he's off book. Women. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs them in the League of Extraordinary (laughs) M-E-N? I know I sure don't. <laughs> what was that? I lost it. <laughs> That's fine. I love that they are all fictional characters. Um, it's such a great ensemble. I, I don't even give a shit. Like, and like, speaking about James Bond, we even get James Bond shit in here, which is way before any of this, sure. But M, 
who's a character who has changed hands in the James Bond franchise a few times, you know, um, it is essentially the person who's from MI6 who's hiring them and creating the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which doesn't actually exist. Yeah, that's really interesting because I was actually going to ask you on the podcast because I didn't know if this M was... Oh, it's just, I think it's just a callback. Like, a, just you know? a little nod. Definitely. To, and well, then it also becomes Moriarty from fucking Sherlock Holmes? Are you kidding me? That's pretty cool. Moriarty that doubles as the Phantom of the Opera? I can't see your face. <laughs> <laughs> they can hear it. <laughs> this happens too often on the podcast. The funny thing, though, is that when we do the reveal, like, ah, the Phantom is M! M is the Phantom! <laughs> it's in the middle of the movie. Like, I think it's in Venice. And there's still a ton left. But we've only seen M once. And the Phantom's only shown up twice. And we're like, oh. oh, oh okay. Yeah, it is It is a little strange. I remember that. The but... Phantom is M! Yeah, whatever. I mean, it comes <laughs> at the end of a really great sequence in Venice where just a bunch of buildings are, like, falling into the canal. And the, they're doing the a canal. car chase with the first ever car. Love it. So great. And then Mina just turns into a flock of bats. And she's bats. She's, oh, she's great. But I like that her bats are, like, separate from her, but they are her. Like, I don't assume there they're are real. A, yeah, there they're are. not real bats. Like, I don't, I don't know. Be, uh, they were blocking bullets, though. So bats. yeah, that right. Those are those are just bat. She companions. wouldn't sacrifice real bats for that. I don't know. It's hard to. But say, if they right? were just like like if it, instead of having spooky fog, which vampires can do, they yep. can become the fog. Sure can. They don't become individual droplets of of moisture in the air. They just become a singular fog. She's just a vampire with a pile of bat cape. But how she breaks into the facility later in the movie is by turning into So she into does turn into strictly bats. Okay, all right, fine. <laughs> it's supernatural. It defies all laws of physics I just and didn't reasoning. try to justify in my brain that none of those bats were harmed. <laughs> they might not have been. And especially if they are extensions of her, she, you oh, can stab her. Oh, then they're also her. vampires. Yeah, they're also vampires. What if it's just a bunch of like Venetian vampires that showed up to help? That would have been cool. They're like, we can take a break from our cafe to... I don't even... So another... Overlay between these two films, there's a masquerade. They're trying to save the masquerade in Venice. Oh, that's right. There's only that shot of those people. But we don't actually really people, go yeah, to the masquerade. After the bombs went off and they're like, oh, do you think we should take all masks off? <laughs> think... Oh, the part where he's like, well, Venice is saved. We only collapsed half the city. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to the next set piece. Yeah. yeah the that... Arctic. Good thing we have all these suits. And the goggles. I forgot about his goggles. What do you think of the Invisible Man in this? Because I, I feel like you have a natural pull towards Invisible Men. Sure do. <laughs> sure do. I like my, but I like my Invisible Men to be madmen, you know? Um, and at least scientists. He's definitely just more of a, yes, he's definitely more of just like a thief in this one, right? Like, I like He's a that, right though. cheeky bastard. Yeah. But... And, and his, he never carries weapons or anything because obviously like you'd see them. Yeah. Um, at the very least, he does acknowledge the fact that he's like, you know, I'm standing naked in the, in the snow right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty good. But any scenes where he's, he's attacking any, anyone. You just see a knife hovering around. <laughs> he just like grabs up, like he beats somebody up with a book. Like he just grabs whatever is in the room. Yeah. I love, like, uh, oh, no, a fight. Better take this makeup off in my coat. Like, you just see him running out of the scene, just getting naked as he's going. <laughs> it's great. But the the digital effects on that must have been so simple. Like, they probably just had him in a green leotard. Hell and yeah. he's just putting on the gr the white face paint. And it looks amazing. Yeah, and anytime he's wearing the coat, it's just him with sunglasses and white face paint and no green suit. 
I, apart from the legs, you do you do notice when he goes downstairs and stuff, like when the the jacket billows open, there's no legs there, which oh, my is mistake. nice touch. Yeah, it's which great. means he just never wears pants anymore. <laughs> I think he's fun. I think he's great. You know, like I don't. Uh, it's it's like he doesn't do enough in the movie, but he is the reason that they get to the final set piece and yeah. find them all at their lair and all. So I mean, he, he is, does a great job. He is kind of a scapegoat for the plot. They were just like. Skinner has turned, and you're like, yeah. why do we all suspect Skinner? Because he's a thief. <laughs> yeah, and I guess because he was snooping on Quartermain, but that's that's really it. That's his superpower, though, right? That he has stealth. They even say that, like, uh, when they're explaining everybody's powers. I, I love thinking about him hiding out in that tiny mini escape pod with Dorian Gray, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dorian Gray just stuck with a little invisible naked guy. Like, how how did that even, like, work out? <laughs> That's so funny. I think what's what's maybe my favorite thing about this movie, what I really enjoy, is just that all of the characters have the same move. Everyone just underestimates everyone. And that's, oh, the, yeah. that's the plot, is that everyone is underestimated. These are all individual fictional superheroes from their own plots and stories and lives, and they all come together for this this indifferent League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and everybody hates everyone. Like Sure do. Quartermain especially. He's like, Nemo's a fucking pirate. Mina's a girl. Skinner's naked. <laughs> <laughs> Dorian Gray I met when I... When, when I when was a boy. It's too good. It's too good. But yeah, everybody's just... N- nobody gives anybody any due. Until they do something cool in front of them. <laughs> yep, yep. That's this movie's move. That's its whole move. And I love the bad guy. I think the bad guy's great. The bad guy, like, one, he's kickstarting a world war before a world war was something that people thought would ever happen. And he's using the technology of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like, he's going to turn, he's going he's gonna to make Nautiluses. He's going to make submarines. He's going to make hides. He's going to make invisible men. He's going to make vampire assassins. Yeah, and the fun thing there is that these are all, like, fictional fantasy elements. But... This movie came out at around a turn of a century, like a huge turn of the century. Yeah. We came into the, the 2000s. And that's what the end of the 1900s was, was like the Cold War and stuff. Like that was all about countries acquiring power that other countries didn't have and having an edge of technology-wise and with bombs and nuclear capabilities. And Hell like, yeah. That's like the non- fantasy version of what we're seeing here it's yep. just as terrifying oh yeah more terrifying <laughs> yeah no I, I like me a good historical fiction yeah <laughs> you lie you do not you think i'm talking about period pieces i'm talking historical That's, fiction check once the upon a time in hollywood mm, historical fiction we will check the historical fiction section and we will see who is correct we are going to see bodices <laughs> and we're going to see fabio <laughs> <laughs> When I say historical fiction, I mean on film. Like, I'm not talking about She books. was but a lowly handmaid. He was the prince's son. They had to meet in the, the corridors at night. Luckily, she knew all of the secret paintings that opened. Continue, I'm waiting. I don't have any. I don't, I don't I'm have waiting any. for it to get steamy. I'm and locked then, in. And then there was a vampire on the... <gasps> oh, no. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you. Sure. Of the two films, of both Van Helsing and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Now use your your critic's brain here. Use your non-podcast John brain here. Okay. Which film do you think is objectively worse? Ooh. 
Van Helsing's real long. It's got a. It, <laughs> you it, can't keep. You can't dock <laughs> it that much for being long. It's crazy long. It's over two hours long. Fucking everybody was up the Titanic's butt though because it was long. It was a big ship. Lots of stories. <laughs> what are you talking about? It was just about love. That was it. <laughs> A love we never wanted to see end. Uh, I don't like Titanic. I don't remember the last time I saw it. Um, wow. Which one's worse? I was prepared for which one's better. Which one's worse? I wanted to ask the harder question. Yeah. Wow. Like, what do you justify as? Uh, I would say Van Helsing. I think because League of Extraordinary Gentlemen has the same beats of a regular movie. I think it just came down to preference. It has an understanding of its characters, how they relay with each other, how they work in the world, and how they can exist on top of the real world while still being a hidden, unheard of story. Like, Van Helsing attempts to do all of those things, but it's just, like, way too over the top. Yeah. Way too exaggerated. Doesn't quite get werewolves or vampires or fucking Van Helsing slash Angel. Um, <laughs> so, like, yeah, I think if we're looking at it, because I'm more of a story person, story-wise, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is the better movie. <laughs> Which is crazy. Objectively. Objectively. <laughs> Right? Both films are fantastic. Both films are great. They Subjectively, these are rockin' movies. I, lo- I love them both. After doing all of the Sean Connery impersonations and talking about Stuart Townsend and all of the characters, I already want to watch it again. Because yeah, that's the weird thing, right? They're just so fucking soundbitey that... I just love them so much. I love Nemo. Nemo's I, great. Nemo is what? And he, him with the sword? Especially at the end, right? He kicks fucking ass. Yeah, he moves so fast. And also he's just like, single-handedly, he is running this operation. M only, whether, whether or not M knew his proficiency as a pirate, <laughs> he has all the gear. The most technologically advanced. He's like, not only is he our James Bond, he is also our Q. He comes with all of the tech. He is living in 2020, and the rest of them are living in 1842. Oh yeah, (laughs) Nemo's grandkids right now, are great grandkids, are sitting pretty in like a gigantic mansion just living off patents. Oh man, they should have called this Nemo and the Boys. Nemo and the Boys! (laughs) I feel like the only thing we haven't really talked about Specifically, Sean Connery's relationship with Tom Sawyer. Like, the whole, like, I lost my son, and now I have you, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's shoot discs. Yeah. And Until has- you asked me about my son, even after I told you a story about him. Yeah, you know, like uh, like Tom Sawyer, member of the CIA. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> right? Like, didn't he Bit just, like, stretch. paint fences in his book? <laughs> I t- Honestly, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, as someone who ha- was forced to read like condensed versions of those books as a kid, uh, but is also not American, so doesn't give a shit, I cannot tell you the difference between Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. I don't know the difference. They're the same, aren't they? Are they? Tom Sawyer's in Huckleberry Finn. Or isn't it Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn? Fuck. Or there's All I know about that oh, area shit. is what was in The Simpsons. And there was a river... And some XX whiskey. Oh, who am I thinking of then? There's another book. It's like Tom Sawyer and then another one. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> they 
maybe you're right. Shit. Like Mark Twain. Let's just say that. I don't know Mark Twain. <laughs> I don't, like, uh, you know, like if he wrote a poem about a raven that wouldn't leave, you know, his chamber door, then sure, I would maybe remember him. But uh, sorry, Mark, you didn't write any spooky you stories. You weren't goth enough. <laughs> you weren't goth enough for me. You were friends with Nikola Tesla, and I appreciate Nikola that. Nikola Tesla was goth enough. Yeah. Born <laughs> under a comet, died under a comet. Mark Twain. That's all I know about him. That is a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a good amount of things. To I don't know, know anything about his work. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, actually, like, was born when I think it was Haley's comet came by. Died when Haley's comet came back. That's fucked. Doesn't it? Doesn't it only come back once? Like, I think it's like every seventy three years. Yeah. Fuck. That's cool. <laughs> it's kind of sweet. And very. Is that unlucky or lucky? I think it's coincidental. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, so what is your rating of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's? I'm going to give League of Extraordinary Gentlemen a three out of four. <laughs> what did we give Van Helsing? I think I might, I, if I didn't give it, heads up, it, it's been a few days since we recorded I'm the first I'm worried I gave it a podcast. four out of four. And I, don't... I think you might have. I don't know. I think you could get away giving both of these movies a four out of four. That seems very on brand for you. Yeah, okay, so I'm going to give it a four out of four. Right on. Mainly because I don't remember what I gave. And you want League of Extraordinary Gentlemen to win. Well, they're definitely on par. Very. And, like, I can't have League be lower than. But, yeah, I'm just going to go four to four. Yeah. Just going to call That's fine. Call it that. I like this movie a lot. We I should too. We should not like this movie. I And the thing, too, is, like, there are moments where, like, I'm like, ooh, where I cringe when I'm watching it because I know how much I still like it. Yeah. And I'm just like, ooh. You're like, ooh, can't let anybody see me loving this. <laughs> Better just put it on the internet for everyone to hear. Like, John, close the curtains. We're putting on the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen again. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. Yeah. I don't, you know, that's the funny thing. Like, I, I like so few things, ironically. I like to just enjoy the things that I like. And that's true about... Movies, music, and especially The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Van Helsing. Liked it the first time I saw it. Have continued to like it ever since. I think I've probably said this on the podcast before, but like, I don't really watch movies like The Room that are so bad it's good. I just like things that I like, and I will unashamedly tell you that the movie that everybody... The 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, I think, is at least an 80. At least? <laughs> at least. But that's just our opinion. Let us know what you thought of Van Helsing and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast, on Instagram at Nightmare on Film Street, Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Nightmare on Film Street, and, uh, and, and the Horror Movie Fiend Club on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. Nightmare on Film Street is listener supported. If you want to join us on our Patreon page, there is a ton of bonus perks like episodes, exclusive content, live streams, watch-alongs, games, tons of stuff. We have a Q&A we did a couple months ago. That is at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street, and you can support us for as little as a couple dollars a month. If that is not in the cards for you, if you can't support us financially... We totally understand. Totally get it. Uh, if you can just leave us a quick five-star rating and review, it really helps us grow in the charts and get in front of more eyes. No matter what, this is still free content for you and for you to enjoy, regardless. If you know somebody that would appreciate some free, fun discussion about some either some really hey, terrible movies... I know some idiots that like movies you like. <laughs> <laughs> Remember how you were talking about Van Helsing the other day? Have I got some idiots for you. Yeah, we are <laughs> those idiots <laughs> but until next time i'm john i'm um, kim 
Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website at nofspodcast.com. And while you're at it, check out all of the other spine-tingling shows on the bloody, disgusting podcast network. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.